1: And thank you so much for hanging out with us today as we dive into another spooky movie. And this time, we just wanted to let you know that we know what What you did did. last summer. (laughs) Very, very important. We know and we will still know in the future and we will always know the year after that i think that's what the third one is called i will always know <laughs> what you did last summer or something like that something like
2: that. all knowing forever and always that's that's the key takeaway yeah. here larry yeah, i will never to you.
1: forget rebecca <laughs> what you did last summer
2: <laughs> yeah dude i'm excited for this one
1: Yeah, I'm excited to talk about this one, too. This is one that I picked for us to talk about this Mm -hmm. month because I get I know we're still in summer, but once September rolls around, technically, it's still summer, but it doesn't it's not for me. It doesn't. I don't consider September still summer. I know I am factually wrong, but (laughs) opinionally, I am correct.
2: Uh, I will say, I agree with you. However, I think the weather is definitely on the side of the naysayers right now because it is hot as hell in the, in the September of 2022.
1: The weather's bucking up. They said, oh, you don't think I'm summer? (laughs) Bitch, you thought, let's, let me show you how summer I can be. Cause yeah, it's definitely ramping up. But As a result of me just still feeling like September is not part of summer as knowing that this was going to be coming out our first episode of of September, I thought it might be kind of fun to do a post summer type of movie, Mm -hmm. um, which I know this is maybe falls actually in as a movie you should cover during the summer since it's looking at the previous summer. Right. But I always think of it as a movie where it's like summer's over. Mm-hmm. And I still, so technically if summer's over, I know what you did last summer would mean like this summer that just passed.
0: True.
2: You know? True. Yeah. So this summer, you know, that thing that you did, Larry and Rebecca, we know.
1: Mm-hmm. We know. July 26th. <laughs> I know. I was there. I saw it. So <laughs> you better keep it together. You better keep it in check before I come with the receipts. And also, too, this is this episode will be coming out on Labor Day. I know this is a Fourth of July movie, mm-hmm. but I don't know. It kind of also fit the Labor Day vibes. It, in my It opinion. does.
2: It really does. It has that same kind of energy. And I know that we had even talked about. Potentially doing this one this year for the 4th of July. Yeah. But, um, you know, we had other pressing purge like matters this year.
1: We, we, we desperately needed to, to purge. So we, we did that one instead. And we were like, mm-hmm. we'll wait until we'll we, we'll wait to, to, to do it up with the, uh, the nineties mm-hmm. slasher.
2: But like that... when we brought it up, we knew that we were going to cover it. Cause it's kind of like a. Oh, must. I mean,
1: it it is a must it's. I mean, I know you. Will, this movie, first of all, the title is so long every time I say it. I mm-hmm. almost just said it now and I said, it's too much. So <laughs> this movie is kind of... I mean, when you talk about those teen slashers of the 90s, especially if you're talking about Scream, I this movie is must be thrown in there because it came up around that same time where movies were coming out to capitalize on the popularity of Scream and these these teen slashers that are in that same vein. And now, of course, this movie is by the same writer who wrote Scream mm-hmm. and was actually written prior to Scream, but just didn't come out until after Scream was successful. But I feel like when you start to go down that path, you have to hit this movie. It's just it's just a pit stop on the on the path that must be spoken about. So we always knew we would talk about it. It just was when and I don't know, it just feels right. This timing just feels right.
2: I agree with you. I agree with you. So let's start talking about it with the first thing being Erica out of five. How scary would you say this long title of a movie? Uh, (laughs) I know what you did last summer.
1: Ah, I feel like it's. I'm gonna. I'm gonna say a two point five.
2: Okay.
1: I think because it's it's fairly jump scary. There's Mm -hmm. a lot of those moments. I don't think it's quite as much as it would have been if it had maybe come out in the years prior.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: it has, it definitely does have those moments. It has some creepy sequences, but it's not a gory movie by any means. And I think that it leans a bit more into the mystery aspect of it for the majority of it before ramping up in like the last half an hour. Um, So yeah, I I'd give it, I'd give it a a 2.5, especially if you, if it's like your first time seeing it, because even I've watched this movie so many times and a few of the jump scares still get me, make me, flinch every once in a while but yeah if it's your first time 2.5 probably
2: i feel that yeah i I would settle on a two myself two for jump scares honestly that's really Mm -hmm. it because in the grand scheme of slashers and especially 90s slashers this one's not too gruesome or too brutal Mm -mm. but it does play into that jump scare aspect in quite a few places and they're pretty good jump scares especially if you don't see them coming so for that much i'll give it a point but in the in the realm of all things scary, I don't think it's too bad. So two out of five.
1: Mm-hmm. No, I, I agree with that. I agree with you there. Um, but all right. Without further ado, do you want to go ahead and uh talk about this wild summer that they had <laughs> at insert name of town here?
2: Is it? I think it's North Carolina, right? Tell me if North, I'm wrong.
1: Yeah, it's. I just forget North the name Carolina. of the town. North Carolina. Come on and raise up, raise your <laughs> yeah. I'm not sure, but there's a town in North Carolina where these teenagers reside, <laughs> um, and we're gonna—Roshane's gonna break down their summer for you.
2: You darn right I am. All right, homies, we're entering into spoiler territory, so you have been warned. But today, as we said, we are talking about—I know what you did last summer from 1997. This movie was directed by Jim Gillespie with a screenplay by Kevin Williamson based on Lois Duncan's I Know What You Did Last Summer, starring Jennifer Love Hewitt as Julie, Sarah Michelle Geller as Helen, Freddie Prinze Jr. as Ray, and Ryan
3: Philippi as Barry. Four Teens, Julie, Helen, Ray and Barry are driving home one fourth of July night when they accidentally hit a man in the middle of the street. Presuming he's dead and not wanting their futures ruined, the teens agree to dump the body into the ocean. One year later, Julie returns home from school to find a strange letter with a grim message. I know what you did last summer. Now, an unknown assailant is hunting the teens down and punishing them for their past deeds. Insert late night murder drives, unsupportive older sisters, and a mystery man playing hooky with people's insides here. Our film concludes with the teens racing to figure out who knows their secret before they're picked off one by one. Also, what are you waiting for? Roll credits.
1: Alright, so first things first. Yeah, this movie is based on a book very loosely, very loosely. Mm-hmm. They have basically nothing in common as far as plot um besides the fact that the teens accidentally kill someone in a car a car accident and then that's about it. Nobody <laughs> nobody dies in the book um and also to It's like a different circumstance with who they killed. It's more of like a mystery than this movie, which they turned into a slasher, um, which the author was not happy about. She was not happy that this movie was being turned into like a bloody teen slasher. Mm -hmm. Um, But I do know that they made a TV show about this, about I Know What You Did Last Summer that I think potentially follows the plot of the book more. Okay. Okay. Um, i did not hear very much about it about the show it's I on didn't amazon even know it existed prime, until you said I that think. so <laughs> <laughs> it's on amazon prime i think either amazon prime or maybe hBO Max um mm-hmm. and yeah i didn't really hear very much about it when it came out okay. and so i don't know if you homie if any of you homies have seen it let us know your thoughts because if it's if it's if it's up to up to the The snuff, then I would be interested in watching it, even if it follows the book more closely, because I've heard Mm -hmm. that the book is really good. Um, But yeah, I just thought I'd let you guys know in case you're like Roche and didn't know there was a TV show there. There is, in fact, one.
2: Well, going off of that, let me ask you then outside of that, have you seen all of the I know what you did last summer's?
1: Uh, So I've seen the sequel, of course. Mm -hmm. And then, so the third one, I've seen parts of it. I've not watched it the whole way through. I probably will now, honestly. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, I've seen like scenes from it and it looks pretty bad. Um, (laughs) So (laughs) yeah, definitely a step down in in quality, unfortunately. But yeah, that's the first and the second one. For sure, because interestingly enough, like I said, out of those handful of like slash teen slasher movies that came out in the '90s, because I mm-hmm. I really lump this one in Scream and then Urban Legends, right. I I always feel like those three are the ones I always think of to represent the this time in horror culture. But out of those, this movie is the one that I've watched the most, like. Okay, I, I find that. myself going back to this movie more so than any of them.
2: I I feel that because I think of that list. This is also the one that I've seen the most. I've mm-hmm. watched the original. I know what you did last summer. I don't even know how many times at this point, like outside of me w- just watching it on my own. I feel like this was on TV all the time, mm-hmm. so I would always catch it in passing. I'd always rewatch certain scenes. Um, Some of the kills, the chase scene, the ending, like I've seen them all so many times. Um, as far as the sequels go, I've watched the, the second one a very long time ago, so it's a little bit fuzzy, and I have never seen the third one. The
1: third one? Yeah. That's fair. Okay, let me ask you this. Do you recall that Jack Black is in the second one um, with dreads?
2: Yes, I, that is one of the few parts I do recall because it sticks out like a goddamn sore thumb. (laughs) There are some things in this life that you don't forget. Jack Black with dreads is one of them. (laughs)
1: What in the wild west? Because I, well, I threw that on just to, I mean, just to watch Because after I rewatched this one, I threw the second one on because I kind of wanted to remember how they transitioned Julie, because Mm -hmm. obviously this one ends with like a huge jump scare that would presume, make the audience presume that Julie died. And then obviously we get another one with her in it. And so I was trying to remember how they transition her into that movie. Mm -hmm. And and then i just kept letting it play cuz i wanted to get <laughs> to the part where <laughs> jack black <laughs> comes out and uh, uh, yeah lol <laughs>
2: um, <laughs> well,
1: and it doesn't help that when he comes out one of the character of will tells makai Pfeiffer something like oh there's your brother and then makai Pfeiffer's like i think that's your brother <laughs> <or something.
2: laughs> All right, but okay, we're not, we're not here talking about the sequel. All right, we're here talking about I Know What You Did Last Summer. So, Erica, hit me with it. What is in your notebook?
1: Okay, this is a very strange note to have as <laughs> my first, but this is the first time that I've noticed this, surprisingly, because weirdly enough, as many times as I've watched this movie, this movie in my head starts on the beach. On the beach.
2: On the beach. That's what I said. I wrote it in my notes. I was like, does this not start on the beach?
1: No, there's a whole setup before (laughs) we even get to the beach. And so it threw me off when it started because I thought, oh, yeah, I forgot that we meet David Egan Mm -hmm. at the very beginning of this movie. I completely forgot about that. And I forgot that we meet our characters while Helen is in the pageant rather than at the celebration after because mm-hmm. I do always remember when they're on the pier and and they're all talking I do remember that bit right. but this whole first couple of minutes I forget but it just made me laugh because they have they have that have metal, like alt rock cover of Summer Breeze
0: oh, in the beginning. Yeah. It's
1: like, Summer Breeze like I can't <laughs> <laughs> it was taking me out because I had never paid attention to it before and I didn't realize that's what that was playing. Oh And my I just God. thought, oh, God, this is so, <laughs> so 90s, but I love it.
2: Truly. You'll have to play as much as we can get away with um, the Yeah, song just so y'all can hear it.
1: Bizarre, I don't know it's it's a strange little cover and I'm sorry to anybody who may be a fan of this cover but it just kind of it it did make me chuckle at the beginning
2: it, <laughs> it, it catches you off guard um but I, I agree I agree with you like for some reason I always to picture this movie starting on the beach and I my exact note was uh this movie could have started on the beach Was my note, Mm
0: -hmm. Um, which is how I
2: felt for a majority of this watch. However, I think towards the end, I took that note back because the stuff, the little bits of foreshadowing that they put in that in those first couple of minutes are somewhat important to the story in the long term, especially if you're in it more for the mystery aspect. So it does serve a purpose. It's not there just for fluff. But I don't know why I feel like the them telling the urban legend on the beach just feels like such a um important part of the or an important catalyst for the story. But I think mm-hmm. that's why my brain always wraps itself around that.
1: Yeah, it feels like an appropriate start to the story because it's right before the inciting is incident. And I do think we still learn what we need to know about who our characters are is still very much played on the beach. Mm -hmm. Um, but yes, I, yeah, we, we do get to see a little bit of our potential victim in the beginning, which is, it does come back in a cool way. So I do like that we do get a little bit of them there. And then even to, I don't know, this pageant scene is just first, it's when we cut to that scene, the the host says something like that has to be the prettiest girl we've ever had in this competition. Sir, rude. What <laughs> the fuck? Why would you say <laughs> why would you Zero say that Respect
2: for all past winners? Y'all ain't so, shit, never have been shit, never yeah. will be shit. <laughs>
1: uh, yeah. Sorry to all you ugly, ugly contestants <laughs> who were in here before, but this girl <laughs> she ain't she ain't like the rest. <laughs> there's something special about her, but I was like, okay, but it's just you know what's so strange about this scene mm-hmm. is I feel like okay i'm gonna i'm gonna phrase this in two ways because I do think there's a possibility that this is what's happening, but I do think out of every character that we meet in this pageant opening scene ray first of all we're gonna get into ray because he's a weirdo but secondly ray's dialogue in this scene does not match i feel like who he is as a character for the rest of the movie because he's talking about helen in a very sexual way that i feel like he wouldn't I don't feel like he would say those things. It feels like he doesn't have that that
2: bro energy that he's giving off in this first scene.
1: No, yeah. He's giving off some some hot fuck boy energy in this scene that is just so different from who he is in the rest of it. And part of me thinks, okay, well maybe he's just trying to fit in because we do kind of realize later that Ray is like the poor kid in town who's trying to fit in with the rich popular kids and has kind of infiltrated their group as a result of dating Julie and but there is still this element of him that is different than everybody else and it seems like maybe he's kind of putting on this bravado and this facade to fit in with them so maybe that's what it is but I don't know it's just a very strange characterization of him especially because then when we see him later on the beach he is so corny like i don't know the way that him and julie are talking they are a corny couple Mm -hmm. um and it just feels so different from the introduction that we get with him
2: yeah i i feel that and i think that's what it is like that's why that beginning portion feels so disconnected from the beach sequence is like I know it's giving us an insight into these characters before everything goes down, but I don't know, like just the entire world feels so different before we get into the the car incident, and maybe that's the point, like maybe you're supposed to feel like these kids were living a completely different life in a completely different right. world before this stuff happened, but yeah i don't I don't know it just there there's a disconnect there that when you, when you like look too deep into it, you end up like seeing these different little things like mm-hmm. race, personality, not really meshing with who he is like 10 minutes mm-hmm. later, you know what I mean? Right. One of the things that brought me back around to this beginning portion is um, I like, I like seeing these characters before the incident happens. And then when you fast forward a year later, and you see their lives post high school. As an adult, I think I appreciate that shift in dynamic change a lot more because you really see like they're untouchable before they leave for college. Like the world is their oyster. Everything is- They're on a
1: high, they're They're on top of the world.
2: Exactly. And so getting to see that play out in the first portion makes it hit a lot harder when you come back later on And, like, things didn't work out for Helen. Neither Mm -hmm. of the relationships are going anymore. Like, nothing is what they thought it was going to be. And I think that that little dose of reality is very well placed and, I think, a very nice backdrop to the things that we saw in the beginning. And I I like that so much more this time around. I don't know if I just didn't notice it because I didn't have that world, that Mm -hmm. worldliness yet, but... It's good. It's really good. And I like that for the characters.
1: Yeah, definitely. It is. I think especially for a movie with this sort of a premise where their life is changed by this huge, significant event that kind of breaks them apart. It is important to see them prior to so that you can really see how much damage and how much of a toll things have taken instead of it. Picking up maybe right, maybe if it had picked up right before that moment, we wouldn't have really gotten a chance to feel that excitement and how for a lot of them, the future is so bright and open and they have these huge dreams and none of them achieve what they what they're wanting. Barry maybe is on that path, but I think even for for him, he um, he's trying so it's like made him he's already an arrogant character, but you can see that it's made him very angry and very just like even more like jaded a, in a way, yeah, he's just not a person that I think the thing about Barry is in the beginning, although he's an asshole, you can still see that he has some qualities where you understand why Helen would want to date him or why people would maybe gravitate towards him because he has there's like he's like a charming asshole now i'm not saying this man is anybody i'd want to be around (laughs) but i'm saying you can see he he's the golden boy you can definitely see that he in probably in this town he is the popular guy that people want to be around Mm -hmm. because there is a charming quality to him that just like i think pulls people in although he is quite but he is also so fucking arrogant and obviously has lived his entire life getting away with things that he shouldn't be allowed to get away with and so he is also insufferable Mm -hmm. i think for a lot of (laughs) once you're around him for a long time and then that's just ramped up after everything happens and so he just is it's like once we meet him later, he seems like the kind of person where you would absolutely rather just like dive into the ocean than <laughs> have to sit and have a conversation with him. Um, but yeah, I think it works really well for for his character. Helen's character, I think it's the most successful with her. Yeah. And her before and after I think is really great. Um, Julie hmm. hmm. And then Ray. <laughs> and then Ray's. Ray's is okay. I think the biggest thing that we see with Ray is just that he is what I said earlier. He's not given the same privileges that these people have. And so for him. He's he's kind of similar to Julie and then it's like he wants to do the right thing, but then decides not to. I just think that his is a little bit muddier because he's one of the first people to say, yeah, let's hide this. And then later on, it like changes his mind and doesn't want to do it anymore. And then I think when we see him later, he's the one who seems like he hasn't had too much of a shift besides he's like a fisherman now and that wasn't what he thought he was going to do
2: right but it kind of seems like at that point he's just kind of uh he's doing the motions and getting by however he can not in like a in like a sad dystopian sort of way but just like whatever life threw at him over that year he was probably going to end up like you know, working his way through it and trying to build himself up because he is, Mm -hmm. like you said, less privileged than the rest of the people in town. So it's like life won't pause for him, even though this event has happened. Mm -hmm. And I think you do see that when you see him again, you're like, oh, you're, you're, you're you're the everyday working man. Now Um, that that does make sense for your character, I think.
1: Yeah, it it makes sense that with the circumstances and everything that happened, he would maybe just say, okay, this is the hand that I've been dealt. I'm going to take that now and I'm going to just kind of live with that and deal with that. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, I think Ray kind of turns into that like every man guy that yeah. you're supposed to like. Oh, guys, <laughs> look, okay. This, speak your, speak your m- this movie, while we're talking about the characters, I feel like let's just bosh the characters out right now and our thoughts sure, on Sure, them. sure, sure, sure. This movie to me is, I I want to make this clear. I am a, I really like this movie. I am a very mm-hmm. big fan of this movie. I, I enjoy it every time I watch it. But ever since I've watched it the first time and even still now, this movie to me is a great example of a... Falling into the final girl flaw, which for me is this simplicity that some of these characters have where they have where people write them and they have to fit this specific like, I'm the good girl. I'm the smart girl. I'm the final girl role. And therefore, there is no additional interesting dynamics to them. And so compared to other characters around them, they are the least interesting part of a movie. This movie to me has always been a great, a great example of that because I Mm -hmm. think when you look at Julie in comparison to Helen, it's night and day. Like they just give her nothing to do. She's, I feel like Julie is supposed to be like a Sydney Prescott, but I feel like because this movie got written first, they had time to like uh, the writer, the screenwriter had time to learn and like finesse Sydney in a way that Julie is not. Because from when we see Julie at the beginning to when we see her later, this girl looks like she has been like a Dementor came, sucked out her soul, and that's just (laughs) how she is. And like, (laughs) I get that they are going for that element of this has really, really ruined her life. But I just feel like in comparison to Helen and Barry and the way that they change after the accident, Mm -hmm. Julie is just so one note and she just is not, and this has nothing to do with Jennifer Love Hewitt because I think she does a great job with the character, Mm -hmm. but I just think that they haven't given her much to do besides like run away (laughs) when she gets upset and just be kind of down and out for the majority of the film
2: i yeah i don't disagree with you there because even thinking back on this movie outside of the um what are you waiting for portion Uh, I feel like a lot of the most memorable scenes as far as the girls go are with Helen. And I think when you ask people about this movie, they'll point out like the chase scene or, or the scene in the pageant where, Mm -hmm. um, Barry gets killed. Like the scenes revolving around Helen Mm -hmm. seem to be more, more interesting and, and just cement themselves a little bit more. And I think that's because Sagan,
1: they pull the focus
2: yeah they they pull the focus and like we were saying earlier how helen's character has such a drastic change from what we can perceive from before and after the accident it's engaging to watch your character navigate the situation because the girl that you met at the beginning is not the same girl who's dealing with these things later on and that kind of growth you want to see that in all the characters and i agree with you i think that although um jennifer love hewitt played the role very well i do think at the end of the at the end of the day it ended up feeling like yeah she was doing a lot of running and surviving um really kept alive purely by plot armor in a lot of places
1: (laughs) By a little bit of luck and (laughs) and a boat somehow, the rocking of a boat. Yeah, I think especially, too, because Helen, the look, not only in this movie, but in the second movie, they really allow Julie's friends to to eat her up. They allowed them to, to, to do what the girls needed to do. And unfortunately, Julie just falls into the background because I think for helen what's so interesting about her character and what's so engaging i think about her is that she is so 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 full of life and hopes and dreams when we first see her and i what i like about her is she's written to me to fall into that bitchy girl character but i just think that she is also like like there's a warmth to her mm-hmm. and a kind of quality to her that although she could fall into that she is so like positive and just like joyful and so energetic that she also does seem quite kind of caring and and maybe easy to get along with. Yeah. And so
2: She has like those likable traits um, that Barry has minus the kind of the asshole. The anger
1: issues and the violence. (laughs) The
2: desperate need for therapy. Yeah. Yeah. Like despite being a strong character that's a little bit pushy in some regards, Mm -hmm. I do think overall she is still very likable and relatable at the end of the day.
1: Yeah, I think she's relatable. And I think what also helps is so she has these big hollywood dreams she wants to go to new york and and she expects that her and barry are gonna stay together and Mm -hmm. all of these i will say
2: her her relationship itinerary on the beach stressed me the fuck out i'd be like girl we may we may need a little bit of space after this summer
1: (laughs) when she said impregnate Impregnate? me
2: (laughs) look red flag red flag red flag red flag all right
1: barry was into it
2: he mm, gave her the hip my thrust. Kinda, not my oh. kind of dirty talk. I'm sorry.
1: <laughs> oh my God. I don't know if that was worse or if uh Julie, Julie, and Ray's little pillow talk was worse because theirs was <laughs> just cheesy. Cheesy. Um, also,
2: real quick, not to get too off topic, but beat sex. Don't see the appeal. So much sand.
1: I don't like that. Seems uncomfortable. I don't like the idea. It seems gritty and just... I don't want... Who wants sand? Potentially. Sand is already hard enough to get off your skin. You're telling me that could get into crack? (laughs) Crack or vagina? No, thank you.
0: I don't like sand. It's cold rough and irritating and it gets everywhere
1: they didn't have a blanket or nothing no blanket. and the implication was that that was julie possibly losing her virginity mm-hmm. to him on the cold sandy beach
2: um. North Carolina
1: of North Carolina <laughs> dog like come on Ray come on we at could least have, have some, some candles better. some at least go by the fire I mean I know they were trying to be discreet but
0: <laughs> bro
1: I'll be damned if somebody had me rolling around in the sand like that um but but yeah I think for Helen it's just this idea that you can tell that Obviously, the accident did have some impact on it. But I think it's also just this idea of, like, being a kid and having these huge dreams that you're like, everything will work out. And then you try it and it doesn't. And you Mm -hmm. end up in a place that you, to you, you consider a failure. And I think especially for her, it's this, like, feeling of her being stuck. And, like, Julie got to go away. Julie was her best friend. They don't talk anymore. Barry is still seemingly doing fine they're not together anymore she's like working under her sister who hates her Mm -hmm. and then like it doesn't seem like her home life is that great anymore it seems like everybody is really disappointed with her and what with what because it seemed like she was like the golden child and now she's not living up to those expectations anymore so i feel like if you Even just got rid of the the we potentially murdered a man aspect. I think Helen's reality is a is something that a lot of people face. And Mm -hmm. so there's something I think just in innately like captivating about that. I think as a person who has been through that circumstance or like who's been transitioning from high school to college and like shit is not as easy as you you think it it is. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
2: It's very true. But I think overall she still retains her personality and that yes. positivity. Yes, and that's the does. crazy thing, is like you can tell that these things have had an effect on her and who she is, but there are still all of the key elements of who she was before and that like bubbly, um, hyper positive person. It still exists. It's just mm-hmm. got a little bit a little bit of life behind it now. Mm-hmm. And she's had some unforeseen circumstances um meet her but she still retains herself and again i think that's the endearing part about that character and why even if you don't necessarily connect with her at the beginning it's hard not to kind of root for her especially when it's her turn to be in danger
1: yeah whereas julie is living in halloween town when it turned gray she's like shuffling (laughs) around like and and
0: and mad at her mom
2: her mom provided a very nice dinner okay like i know she's sad and upset for the circumstances but that was some tasty looking snapper i was a little upset that she wasted so much of it
1: yeah she's super snappy with her mom and snippy which like i said would be fine but i just think the change from when we see her in the beginning it's just not enough for me cuz i think i not to compare but i think if you put her up against a character like sydney prescott who we see go through a lot throughout her movies sydney still has her like fire and her her fight mm-hmm. and her personality but she's just cautious and she's paranoid and so it's just you added a layer on top of what was already there you didn't strip away what was already there and replace it with this characterization that we will now associate with julie because we just didn't have enough time to see another side of her i feel like her journey is fairly stagnant when you think of her place in this movie it feels like we meet julie with very very basic vanilla characteristics And then from there, we see her slip into this understandable depression, which I think it's you can have movies like and especially in the horror genre. It's valid and realistic to have movies that deal with characters who have this post-traumatic stress. And especially because you're dealing with these horrible scenarios in these movies. So I don't and and we've seen these done successfully before with characters who, for the majority of the time that we see them, are depressed.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I will give it to them for showing us different ways that all of these characters coped and reacted to the situation. I just feel like for Julie, <laughs> it's not we don't get enough of an alternate side of her and so when you're dealing with a situation where it's like well this is how julie is now and that really runs throughout the entire film it just becomes this situation where our protagonist is not nearly as striking to watch as the supporting characters around her and I just feel like it's not really until the very, 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 very end, like the end stinger of this movie that we really get to see a different fun side to Julie where you think, oh, okay, now we're back to who she was prior to these events. Because of that, I think they're much more successful in the sequel with her character. I think they do a good job of adding more ebbs and flows to her journey and also just balancing her personality with her trauma and even if you took that one as a standalone i just think that they do a better job with julie as a whole like the julie in the second one is the kind of character the kind of protagonist and main final girl that i expect to see in a 90 90s slasher like what i know what you did last summer is meant to be in a movie like this I don't want my main character to be a little bit of a downer. And I think <laughs> and then you put her up against these dynamic characters like Helen and Barry. And so all you want is to see Helen and Barry, who, like I said, Barry is an asshole, but I will give it to you, like Ryan Philippi is really good in this role. Like mm-hmm. he's a really good. He's so good at playing the emotional because the thing about Barry is he has no... His, like, emotional moments, they happen so quickly. He he can't control his anger. He
3: mm-hmm. goes from
1: zero to 100 and then back again. Yeah. And I think he plays his ebbs and flows really well in a sense where, although I don't like Barry, I never hate him. Mm-hmm. Like, I still weirdly want him to survive. Like, and I don't know if that's just because I like him and Helen as characters compared to Ray and Julie. Uh-huh. But yeah, like I, I still kind of want him to, to make it in the end, despite how horrible I've seen him be.
2: <laughs> I I gotta be real with you. Every time it's Barry's time to go, I'm always like, I'm cool with this. Uh, <laughs> personally, not, I, I, nothing against the actor. Um, honestly, I, I agree. I do think he does a very good job and Um, even like I watched a couple brief interviews about it, but he was kind of cast against the type for Mm -hmm. what he's playing, right? He's supposed to be the angry kind of jock guy. And although he is clearly physically fit, his body type just doesn't match the level of intimidation that I think that character is like written to have. Mm -hmm. So for me, what that translates to is a lot of sequences of both the actor and the uh movie trying to make Barry seem tougher than he is mm-hmm. and that ultimately just kind of leads to you having this kind of like scrappy do sort of character yeah. where he's all, like he's 0 to 100 in every circumstance but i think with all that being said i think Ryan plays that very well and plays into it and utilizes it as a mm-hmm. tool and so i respect him for that it's just I don't miss Barry after he's gone. I gotta be real. Yeah,
1: I mean, shoot. I mean, I don't miss him, but like, bro, once Barry and Helen are out of the movie, I'm like, oh, oh, True. my God. Once you
2: lose both of them, it oh, does man. it does slow things down a lot. I'll give yeah, you that.
1: Because the, the ending sequence, you're like, not nah, Ray and Julie just alone. <laughs> <laughs> but OK, let's get into Ray, because I've been dying to talk about this man. What? is going on why is he so 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 sketchy throughout this entire movie ray listen i get it they're like we need to add a mystery element we need to throw in some red herrings Mm -hmm. i think having ray be one of them is a disservice to his character because he just becomes really creepy and as a result you're just like julie run as far away from him as you can (laughs) because he because the thing about ray is when we meet him again from the moment julie comes back and everything starts happening he is being played as a potential killer so he is not able to be involved in a lot of the fun like all of those great sequences that we love from the movie, Ray is nowhere to be found because they're playing with the potential that he could be the killer. Right. He is barely involved with the circumstances in this movie. All he gets is a note in the in the in the grand scheme of what's happening with the killer. All he gets is a note. Mm-hmm. He is non-believing for the majority of this movie. Anytime he turns up, he's confused and bewitched, bothered, and bewildered by Julie, and that's like his only focus. Right. And then when we get to that end where it's like, okay, things are really ramping up because he is Billy Blue, (laughs) he still can't be involved with the discoveries like because he can't just tell them I'm Billy Blue for some reason, even though it'd be so easy to be like, hey, guys, that was me yeah i went to her house because i wanted to see i wanted to like just talk to her mm-hmm. for some reason he can't admit that and then at the end julie gets there and oh my god everybody's dead like or uh, or not no she doesn't say that but she's like oh my god <laughs> that's the vibe that. She that's got. the vibe the vibe she's giving is like our friends are gravely in danger we need to go and he goes come aboard. (laughs) What (laughs) do you mean? And he like (laughs) has no urgency. He just wants her to come on the ship. And so I don't blame her
0: for thinking
1: that he is the murderer because this man has been sleepwalking through (laughs) a town with a a murderous fisherman in it and has no idea that anything is going on. And I just feel like... As a result, Ray really feels like a C-plot character after mm. the beginning of the movie is over.
2: Okay. Yeah, I, I think he may fall into the same trap that we discussed for uh, Julie in the sense that he's playing the role that he's supposed to play in the grand scheme of the plot, which is the love interest slash the could-be-killer slash... Help the final girl in the end. Like these are the these are the functions that he must serve while his time exists during this runtime. And he does do these things, but at what cost, right? Like, yeah, having a care, having one of the one. You only have four characters, right? So like, you don't have a large group to follow for the most part. Like, you're gonna be stuck with these characters. Taking one of those characters out leaving yourself with three and then killing off the other two it's like you, <laughs> you know what i mean like you know you're gonna have to go back to him yeah. but by the time we get back to him all that we have is this where have you been while all of this stuff has been going down yeah and
1: catching crabs apparently
2: <laughs> just out out <laughs> in the blue sea you know relaxing <laughs> living the life of a fisherman uh but he the i i do think I agree with you the the issue is we just don't get enough time with him because of that. Mm-hmm. And so by the end of the movie, you're sitting with a character that you spent a lot of time with, but is kind of a Debbie Downer and a character that you spent no time with. And now one of their functions has been revealed to be false. So it's like, OK, you're not the killer. So what the fuck are you Like, what, like? Yeah. What's your point now? Why are um, you
1: being like this?
2: Why, like, are being, is, why, are, why are you being this? Why are you being this so way? Shady? Why have you been this way? Yeah, um, and I think part of that—it's strange because I have a new perspective on the Max character after watching an interview about what they did with that. Because mm-hmm. at first, I liked Max's function of like he kind of fit the same role as Ray, where he's kind of weird and yeah. could definitely be the killer given the circumstances. But the thing is, we kill him off so early on yeah. that we lose that. And in the interview that I watched, they talked about how initially they didn't have him get murdered there at the beginning, but because the violence takes so long to start up, they wanted to have their main antagonist do something violent to pull the audience in. So, so they ended up, I think, shooting the max death after They shot everything else and then putting it in and i like that scene i think it's a great death and i think it's a great kill but you get rid of the red herring that's not ray by doing that and what you get left with is either it's going to be ray it's going to be um david's missy, sister maybe, yeah or it's going to be some outside player that we haven't seen yet and in the context of everything we're leaning very heavily into the ray portion and yeah. that may have potentially been a misstep
1: right because i think with missy and max it makes sense why they're weird because Mm -hmm. Max is just Max is that like, well, where's my hug guy with Julie the whole time he has a crush on her and is a little bit pushy about it.
2: He's weird as fuck. Despite her,
1: (laughs) he's really, it's really, yeah, the way that he talks to her, you can tell that he is, makes her uncomfortable, but she's trying to be nice. Mm -hmm. And, Max also is kind of falls into the same category as Ray as far as they are both um, seemingly of like working class in comparison to the other kids that that live there. And Max doesn't like any of the rich kids and doesn't like that Ray is like putting on these airs to be with them. And so Mm -hmm. he already has this kind of weird relationship with our group. He sees them. being sketchy and so him being weird towards them is not out of the ordinary and then same thing with missy oh my gosh they can't just let this girl live she's been through so much (laughs) she has been through so much and they will not give her a moment of peace i mean julie is just popping up at her doorstep (laughs) trying to thrust yearbooks in her face while missy's just trying to like move on with her life um but missy i think is a character too where her strange moments also work because really julie and helen are the ones that are being strange and she's Mm -hmm. just kind of reacting to that
2: and she i will say i do think that she plays that scare like she plays the parts mm -hmm. in the sequences that you see for scare factor and like she does come across as like yo this character is kind of uh uh uh, jumpy in a way but i you're right where circumstances provided she is the normal one and they have came (laughs) and invaded her space
1: yeah compared to julian helen who Yeah, I've popped in and she even says she's like, I don't like it's strangers and strangers here or visitors here. I guess she lives there all by herself. Also, too, that's another thing. Ray and her apparently had a little bit of a relationship, which, bro. What? And now perhaps Missy misread things and (laughs)
2: embellished maybe a little bit and
1: thought that there was something going on but i don't know the way that she phrases it makes it seem like they had a mutual something something Mm -hmm. you know i think i remember david he had a friend right what was his name who
0: didn't he hang out with this guy i mean they were really close god what was his
1: name um oh i No, I didn't. I didn't know too many of David's friends. Oh, but there there was one guy. One guy. He he stopped by not too long after David's death, and and he came to pay his respects. Really? Oh, yeah. He was a really nice guy. He was cute and smart. And
3: (laughs) well, we were we were sweet on each other for about two minutes. But it didn't. It didn't work out, you know. He he didn't. He never really said it.
1: But I think it hurt him to be around me. Where is this old friend now? Oh, I don't. I don't know. Do you remember his name? Billy. Did he have a last name? Blue Billy Blue. And if that's the case, Ray truly ain't shit for that. Cause you <laughs> think you murdered her brother. You, <laughs> you were driving the car, bro. And you think that you just ploop, like ran through her brother and <laughs> you are potentially, I don't know. I don't know. Ray. Hey,
2: that's that's fair. That's fair. But wait, before you go on, <laughs> I want to ask you, um, since you brought that up and we didn't really talk too much about the actual incident itself. Yes. Um, uh, Whose fault is it? Is it Barry's or is it Ray's?
1: It's Ray's fault. Now,
2: okay. I, okay. Here's
1: here's here's what I'm thinking, because mm-hmm. Barry is being the worst, absolutely being a menace to safety, and mm-hmm. is causing a ruckus that does not need to be caused. I will say that Barry definitely pushed forward the events. Ray. However, before Barry even did that, Ray was not paying attention. He's like looking over at Julie, making like awooga eyes at her, not <laughs> even really looking at the road as much as he should be. And you're on a windy, dark road. Like, just have your eyes to the front. And and I think that he should have just like, OK, so Barry spilled Your his drink on you. Stop, stop driving. Mm -hmm. You're not like why, bro. It's you can wash your pants. What are you wearing? Chinos? Like it's it's fine. (laughs) It'll wash out. And I just feel like Ray took his eyes off of the road for so long and then kept driving while he was doing it it's like let the passengers take care of barry you and also why didn't you slow down when barry stood through the window in the first place yeah, them, why are you still driving barry 70 miles per hour like that <laughs> yeah
2: <laughs> i agree I agree
1: do, is that what you do you think it's ray or do you think it's
2: Barry. I I typically blame Barry just because he does do the thing that, like, causes the actual yeah. impact. However, I do think you bring up a good argument for Ray, and I will say that if a police officer came up and said that all of you all were responsible, I'd kind of agree with it, because both Julie and Helen should have been doing something about Barry. Them letting Barry do all this drunken super shit while mm-hmm. they're driving down a dark, windy road, probably not the best move. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like. Somebody should have been keeping him in check other than the person whose hands are on the wheel,
1: right? Yeah, it's like why I just I think I just Ray should have stopped as soon as Barry stood up He should have stopped or he should have slowed down. It's like why would you continue to keep driving at the same speed? Barry's sweater was like whipping in the wind So you could tell <laughs> they're still going at a fast at a fast pace, but of course we we do find out like It, it would have all been fine however Ben definitely was like crossing the... Like he was out in the street and didn't need to be. Like he was definitely doing some nefarious shit, trying to dispose of of david's body so yeah. that was definitely not wouldn't have happened in a normal circumstance in a regular
2: situation yeah but agreed still but...
1: like you could have hit you could have hit a deer or something still just doing doing the wild shit that you y'all were doing but mm-hmm. sure, if i was helen i would have been like i didn't have nothing to do with this <laughs> the two of them <laughs> you can say the two of them because it wasn't
0: I <laughs> I, was I, was the, just, I was
2: in the back i was in the uh, back I also, in talking about this scene, too, now I know we, I I think it was me who did this when we talked about Scream initially, but just a quick shout out to the Scary Movie franchise (laughs) for absolutely nailing, nailing this driving scene in parody. Mm -hmm. Like, I have... Parts of Scary Movie Two mixed up with I Know What You Did Last Summer <laughs> because the shots are so goddamn one-to-one. Mm-hmm. It's so it's so good. It's so it's, good. Just yeah. shout out to Scary Movie Two. Y'all did y'all did fantastic with and, that.
1: And they also always parody the scene where um later when he's like promise me we won't say anything and he like chokes julie <laughs> and ray just we like and, and ray's like hey man but then in scary movie he's like hey stop Let me go. <laughs> but really because ray is and we see that throughout the movie ray is not he's a pretty passive person mm-hmm. um but particularly in this in this circumstance where your girlfriend is being choked out By someone, you know, I would think he would have maybe Maybe. a little bit more pep in his step. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe that's me. Maybe that's just (laughs) me being a little bit ridiculous. But I will say this sequence, I think, is so great. Mm -hmm. This the whole um, like hitting, hitting him and then them trying to figure out what it was, them discovering the body and just like the the ramping up of the stress and them realizing that it's going to be very very hard to prove that this was a legitimately an accident
0: yeah and then
1: from the and then them like going and dumping the body and him grabbing her crown when he grabs her crown barry's scream of frustration before he jumps into the right? water so, so funny it's so good he's, <laughs> he's so like, upset yeah. he's like ah! <laughs> jumps into the water I just think that that whole sequence is so good though because I think it just taps into a another fear of like what if that happened what if you were having one of the best nights of your life and then all of a sudden you put, kill somebody and that was never your intention and it's like what do uh, for them I think especially because they've really been building on this feeling of like invincibility and and everything Mm. their whole lives are ahead of them of that weight of having that come crashing down and feeling like this is it for me like this is this could be the end of my future. Like that's scary. That's a it's a really scary idea, I think. Mm -hmm. And I think that they play it very well. I like the sequence of events and how these kids handle the circumstances, because it's a stupid decision, what they do, what they the decision they make is is dumb. And the steps that they take to not even even try and see if this guy's still alive or what's going on. But I do think that it for how we've seen these teenagers prior to this moment, I don't think it's out of bounds to say that they would make a rash, stupid decision and True. then later on think maybe that wasn't the right thing because yeah. you you can tell that they're they're jumping completely to the conclusion that he's dead no ifs ands or buts about it like they've already jumped to the worst circumstance mm-hmm. and they don't even think well maybe we can
2: save him because yeah, yeah. it's just like the the worst case scenario is too bad for them to risk anything mm-hmm. and i i I think that's very smart. I also think it's very smart writing these characters to be from the transition of high school to college because again, that is such a transformative part in a lot of people's a lot of people's lives that having this incident take place in the summer where that's supposed to happen is huge mm-hmm. because there is just so much at stake there. And yeah, I I definitely agree with you. This scene, I think for how much they meme on it in scary movie too. And I think mm-hmm. how much, or at least how regular I feel like this scene feels to me now after seeing it so many times, I think you just can't deny the overall impact of all the different circumstances of this scene, because like this scene is cemented into my brain. And I'm sure a lot of other like slasher horror fans brains is just like a scene or sequence that you'll never forget. Like everyone mm-hmm. knows the driving sequence from I know what you did last summer, and it's for reasons because it's that damn good.
3: I think he's dead. Shit! ha! <laughs> Who is he? Can't tell. His face is all messed up. What the hell was he doing out here?
1: We've got to call the police and get an ambulance out here. Hey, hey, what's your hurry? Guy's dead. you're not a doctor. You don't make that decision.
3: Use your brain, Julie. We call the police and we're fucked. It was an accident. Look, let's think about this a minute. Think about what?
1: Think about what? He was crossing the road in the middle of the night, okay? It was an accident. You weren't drinking or speeding.
3: There's liquor all over the car. But you're sober. They'll never believe I was driving. It's my car. They'll nail my ass. That's not true. Are you kidding? look at me i'm drunk as shit i'm fucked they'll call the police and tell them the truth they'll believe us it's manslaughter we're gonna fry no matter who takes the fall
1: yeah it's it's great and i think it's a great setup to the rest of the movie because the moment of knowing oh my god that guy wasn't dead
2: yeah and now still going through with your decision through
1: that makes it and i feel like for julie that's what turns it from okay yeah that was an accident to like we murdered this man because we do realize they realize that he was still alive and they still go through with dumping him in the water when they have a chance to say okay maybe we should okay we maybe we can fix this maybe we can help him but at that point in time they have already been talking and discussing and committing to saying oh we're gonna cover this up so then i feel like particularly for for barry it's like well now this is a loose end we can't yeah we just discussed never telling anybody about this in front of this guy and if he was Mm -hmm. awake the whole time and was listening we
2: gotta get rid of him so
1: we're gonna try and keep like we're gonna try and save him like
2: yeah <laughs> well in the grand scheme of things too once we find out what uh mr is it willis what willis yeah. was doing out mm-hmm. there um in the first place gotta be honest even if they helped him and he survived he probably would have tried to kill them anyway yeah. um yeah. to be fair but they do still fuck up with you know continuing on with the plan mm-hmm. and pushing him off and so you add in this moral undertone to the story, which I think is a very important part. And what kind of separates, I know what you did last summer to other slashers in the genre is the moral dilemma of these characters is very much at like at the forefront. Mm-hmm. And although you do still have this ever-present threat of this stranger trying to kill them and and terrorizing them, letting them know that they, that they know their secret, um, watching the characters just deal with their own decisions is one of the most compelling things, I think, Mm -hmm. about the movie. And I think the writing plays into that very well. And um, definitely has you sit and kind of debate with yourself about whether or not these characters are in the wrong, if they're in the right. Like, who is really the bad guy in a lot of circumstances? Mm -hmm. Um, These are questions that you ask throughout the film. And I do think a lot of that is an attribute to the writing if we're talking about very influential scenes in this movie, we absolutely have to talk about the chase scene. Yes. Um, I know that this is a, a favorite of yours. So yes. if you want to drop a little bit of feelings first.
1: It's so good. It's <laughs> so good. If anybody deserved to live, it is Miss Helen Shivers because she is, for her life and she was so close but we'll break it down the anatomy of a chase <laughs> scene we're gonna do this the anatomy of a successful chase scene because i think right. we get an unsuccessful one at the end of this movie <laughs> but okay. this one is so so well done because i it starts off this whole entire sub side plot because that deal Julie's on her little side quest but this whole thing with Barry and Helen is just a great like sequence of events Mm -hmm. because at this point in time this is when things are really ramping up we've been ramping up and I would say Helen and Barry it feels like have really been terrorized quite a bit I think in comparison to like Ray and Julie, maybe not to Julie as much, but I think we've seen a lot of taunting to them particularly. And so it's interesting to have them pair off and be dealing with this like villain that it's you know, is probably going to be after them because Helen has to be at this event. Like, I just think that's a great setup. She has to be there. It's important for her to be there and so as a result she needs someone to also be there to like watch after her Mm -hmm. they set it up where they like to sit up in the balcony to watch these pageants so Barry is up there like surveying the scene I think like having him I will say (laughs) even more so than the crab and Max in the trunk Barry's cleanup after his death. Impossible. It's actually impossible. impossible. <laughs> I will give leeway to Max, to Krabby Max, because I think it's hard to tell how long it took Julie to actually get to the house and get them out. And 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 I feel like with Max, he's been dead for a while. So really mm-hmm. the biggest thing would be like getting the crabs out, right?
2: Yeah. Which but that's still pushing it. Too. It's still that's questionable,
1: it. but I'm going to let it slide. Mm-hmm. Barry, how is there not a shit ton of blood up there? Because he was hashing and slashing for a hot minute for a while. And there's only a little bit of blood on the banister.
2: Like this, we find out later on this man is a fisherman. He does not have the cleanup skills of Dexter. So how?
1: (laughs) No what am I man carrying like mr clean and like all this shit <laughs> with him to clean up the area because also where did he take his body yeah
2: where like where's the body how did he get the body out yeah with all of these people here right. in seconds because she like within like two minutes of her outburst it i realistically that's how quickly they would get up there so there mm-hmm. was not a lot of time at no. all Someone no. would have had to see something.
1: Something, but yeah, somehow he—he just—he's levitated Barry's body up through the window into <laughs> the boat because somehow Barry—we see him later on the boat. But so I think. I just especially feel like at this moment in time, like we've had so much time with Helen that you just want her to win. Mm -hmm. And so seeing her now, first of all, Sarah Michelle Gellar is a fantastic crier. I think I've said this before, but like (laughs) she is so good at crying. It's in and screaming both her and Jennifer Love Hewitt have like great screams. I Mm -hmm. will give that to to Julie. She's got a great scream. But so from the moment that she gets out of the police car and then runs to the store and her sister lets her in, I just feel like it's the timing. The timing of everything in this sequence is on point because Mm -hmm. that is one thing that you do have to get down. You have to have good timing in a chase sequence because... You don't ever want the killer to feel too far away or too close. And he never does in this. And what I think is smart about this killer is that there is an element of taunting to him. And so he doesn't need to be quick. He just kind of like he once he feels like he's got it, he's he's got it. And I think in Mm -hmm. this instance, it's really clear that. Helen's kind of on her own and. So that whole sequence of her waiting for her sister to unlock the door, fantastic. Great tension builder. And then the sister mentions that the back door is unlocked. So he goes to the back door, kills the sister, which Elsa completely freezes. (laughs) Like, she's completely frozen. Like, I, I think I used to not like her reaction when I was younger, but I like it now because I do think that it is an appropriate response for some people.
2: True. He did drag away her body with some disrespect, though. I didn't make a note of that.
1: Yeah. That was rude. (laughs) She didn't have nothing to do with this.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Same with Max, honestly, too. It was like the two people who had nothing to do with the circumstance, you off them real disrespectful, like my guy. Yeah.
1: You kind of did a lot to them, and they were just kind of (laughs) innocent bystanders at the end of the day. (laughs) But I just feel like... Helen is very smart. She's a mm-hmm. smart character in the way that she reacts to things and the way that she really adjusts to the situation. And I feel like she has great great reaction time where yeah. like she's immediately looking for her next exit. And I just think that that's so good for a chase sequence because you don't want to see someone who's just going to be cornered and then
2: That's it.
1: Maybe fall into luck like you can't that works every once in a while. But I think for a really, really for one that you root for, you want the person to be. Ingenious about their about their next moves, but she never like everything always feels like it's like she's smart. But at the same time, everything still feels like something a regular person could do. It's not like yeah. all of a sudden she's like Buffy, like she's still she's still Helen, just trying to make it work and figure it out. So, like, even when she gets in and she goes up the little pulley system right. and then she has I, to fall out the window, I, it's like, I,
2: I, I, a small note, I'm sorry, I just <laughs> something in me um, just got giddy. When, because I I do love the police system thing, mm-hmm. but the fact that Homeboy just walks up the stairs yeah. and just completely negates her whole plan. I don't know yeah. why that made me laugh this time around.
1: Yeah.
0: But it's like
2: she's struggling so hard, and he's like, "Okay, I'm gonna just like, use the stairs." All
1: right, <laughs> yeah. He's like, "I'll meet you at the top," I guess. <laughs> So but but even then, it was a smart thing for her to do in that moment. Yeah, and, like in the
2: moment, it makes yeah. sense. You're just like, I'm going for whatever I can.
1: hmm. And then she gets outside mm-hmm. and the post festival celebration is happening and and she runs towards it. And what the best thing that they did in this sequence, because they do have to have her get caught and she mm-hmm. does get close. And then she turns around. And in your head you're thinking why would you do that because i think in another movie she would have turned around and they would have maybe come out from behind her Mm -hmm. but by having him come out from in front of her you know it wouldn't have mattered it didn't matter if she turned around or if she kept going he was always waiting for her and so she wouldn't have made it anyway Mm -hmm. she was always going to get stopped She was always going to get attacked right before she made it to the end and so it doesn't dampen what she's done it doesn't disregard how clever she's been it it makes it so that yeah you could say oh if i would have kept running but Mm -hmm. even if she did it's it's irrelevant like yeah in this
2: instance they were one step ahead and then even the last little details of them being behind the tires with the parade going and the fireworks, nobody can hear her, but also... She's fighting.
1: She's still fighting.
2: Yeah, she's still fighting there towards the end, but even having your villain cloaked in all black so that they kind of blend in as well with the surroundings, I think all of it just all adds together to create Mm -hmm. a fabulous sequence that one one of the best chases. I did not know this, that the alleyway that they use is the same alleyway every time so the same alley that she's driving through in mm. the police car is the same alley that she drops into and runs through and then they dress up the alley again to be the final alley with all the tie. like it's all the same alley Mm. All of those alleys are the same alley.
1: Oh, okay. They just set decorated They just set decorated
2: it differently every time.
1: Nice. Yeah, because you can't you can't tell. Because, yeah, at that can't. end, it definitely looks like she's running through multiple alleys to try and get back to the street. Um, but, yeah, it's just so great. Helen is a character that you want to root for. And this sequence is just the right length, too. I think by having it in the store... It was it's something that you don't see often having it in just like this random little like mom and pop store. That's two levels because it's it's enough space where she can navigate. There's distance between them, but it's not so big where you're like, oh, we're going to watch her run through this warehouse for Mm -hmm. 15 minutes. Like it's small. It it goes from inside to outside to inside to outside. And I feel like it has really good levels to it in comparison. Mm -hmm. To Julie's final battle on the
2: yeah. boat. I, b- before you break it down, I will say that my overall note for the last chase for the last chase for the <laughs> last chase sequence is that uh Julia is kind of trash at covering her tracks. <laughs> Take what it away, Eric. What <laughs> are
1: we doing here? Okay. Julie gets on this random man's boat.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: First mistake, first First mistake, mistake. immediate mistake. And the thing about it, too, I think they played their hand a little bit too soon in the sense of as soon as she gets on the boat, she sees that it's him. Yeah. And at that point in time, I would think just run out and jump off the boat. Any
2: any direction, just go.
1: Because even if you fall in the water, just swim. Like, to swim as <laughs> yeah, far as they're. you can and, and, and scream for help. But no, she stays on the boat. And then we proceed to have a chase on the boat, which still jump off the boat. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but if you're not going to, okay. The thing about Julie is what they've... Because she's on a boat, which isn't a bad decision to have her stuck with the killer. It's not a bad Mm -hmm. decision to have it where she can't escape. But I think you've set it up where really her only defense is to just kind of keep finding little doors and and little hatches to run through and Mm -hmm. run into different places because immediately she does try and do something. She tries to get a flare gun and then just throws it off the boat because she gets (laughs) jostled a little bit. (laughs) And then... So then a lot of it becomes kind of them just navigating through this boat as he's chasing her, which after a little while becomes kind of tedious, especially once she goes down and then she comes back up. Once Ray is on the boat, she screams for Ray, distracts him. He gets knocked off the boat. But then holds on to a rope, gets back onto the boat. The thing about it is him getting back onto the boat isn't even really what saves her. She gets saved by some rope. <laughs> some like ex-Machino rope on the boat is really what ends up saving her in the end, which I will say I do like that. I do like how he actually like gets taken out. Get that, pulled that's up pretty and cool. All that's, yeah,
2: mm-hmm. it all looks really cool yeah. once he's stuck in that little makeshift trap I'll
1: yeah call it. yeah that that not really does a trap
2: look... but a makeshift circumstance that he gets caught up in
1: yeah <laughs> that does look cool um but I think it really starts to drag when she goes down and just gets into the ice, which I don't know what she's trying to do in the ice. Just block the door. He can still open the door, can still even open if the there's door. ice You there. also
2: left your goddamn sweater on the handle to tell him yeah. that you went into the ice door. I couldn't forget. That's when I wrote that note. I couldn't forgive that I was yeah. like, girl cover one of your tracks, please. You left, I beg you
1: left your sweater not only to let him know you were in there, but also to say, hey, this made it easier to open the door. Give it a try.
2: Also, moving the barrel out of the way of the door when you think that he's gonna come from the other way, but then you realize that he's gonna come through the door and mm-hmm. proceed to not move the barrel back in, in front, front of, of the, the door. The door. <laughs>
1: Homies, <laughs> I, look i I don't want to talk. I don't want to talk shit about Julie too much. I get it. This was a wild situation, and she is working on probably not firing on all cylinders but after we just saw helen just doing it doing it for the people Mm -hmm. showing up and showing out to then have our final girl the girl who lived the girl (laughs) who deserves to make it to then just have her be just getting lucky is a little bit of a bummer it's just it's just such a step down from what we had previously watched and so yeah to see julie just kind of running through the boat and going up and going down and and being chased and then ray gets there and like i what ray like does something to him oh he he throws the he throws the hook (laughs) ray bullseyes (laughs) this man's forehead with a hook but then doesn't make sure that he's dead Mm -hmm. just leaves him even though the hook didn't hit him that hard just leaves him there so then he gets up and takes ray out and then goes to kill julie and literally the only thing that stops him from stabbing her is rope
2: yeah and (laughs) now to be fair, this man was playing with his food. Um, yeah. He had several different instances where he could have killed them both, especially Ray. Uh, he was keeping Ray alive in any way that he could. He's like, "I'm not gonna kill you. Yeah, I'm just gonna. I'm just gonna rough you up a little bit. Yeah, um,
1: I'm just gonna mess around.
2: <laughs> just gonna mess around. Bit. Yeah, I, I. Yeah, it's like honestly, once it's revealed who it is, and we see him it just loses a little bit of the shine. I don't know why. I don't know what it is about it, mm. but I think just him not having the coat and being this mysterious third party and just being this vengeful guy, it took something out of it for me.
1: Interesting. I d- I'll disagree with that. I will s- I do okay. I, I do like that reveal a lot. I do like the reveal of um it not being them have being been wrong about David the whole time and realizing mm. that it was Ben the dad that killed him after this accident with his daughter, and then I, I even don't mind seeing him. I, I like kind of having that reveal moment and mm-hmm. and having him like talk, kind of taunt Julie and stuff. But um, I, I, I do get what you mean though, because I think having the slicker on is just it, it sets up. Such a cool silhouette and such a yeah, cool characterization. I, I think honestly,
2: I just missed the coat. I missed <laughs> it. I was like,
1: yeah I wish you
2: gave me all of this while still wearing the outfit the that I've grown so fond of. um But because we didn't name him at the beginning, Muse Watson did do a great job, yes. I think, as Willis.
1: Yes. And I honestly, I wouldn't have even minded if they had a little bit more back and forth, him and Julie, before before he started chasing her, you know, when they're Mm -hmm. in there and she's like, you're Ben Willis. And he's like, oh, yeah, I wish that there was a little bit more before they both revealed to each other that they knew who they were. You know, Mm -hmm. like, I wish that there was like a minute where Julie acted like she didn't know who he was. And he continued because he kind of reveals right away that he knows that
2: everything yeah, yeah that he knows everything literally as he walks in he's like yeah. by the way i know you murdered somebody yeah was like, he was like up?
1: i thought you guys would be out drinking partying <laughs> running people over with your car
2: <laughs> like petty much okay. I, but
1: I, it's kind of a serve i do like he does read them to filth and i like that it's very it's a very subtle serve i don't know it just it definitely feels this movie just feels like it loses steam as soon as Helen's chase sequence is over. And mm. so. In this final bit, yeah, I'm still rooting for Julie, but that's the thing. It's like I'm rooting for Julie. Ray is there, <laughs> but even still, it feels like they don't know what to do with Ray, because half yeah. of this is just him trying to get on the boat. And and they fall into that same thing in the second movie as well. of Ray's story in the second movie is him just trying to get to the island. And Mm it feels like they just don't really know how to work their relationship and work him and weave him into the story at times. Um,
2: Yeah, so I mean, not to not to pull a full another Scream reference, but he feels like Dewey but doesn't have the occupational reason for being there that Dewey had. Um, to give him motivation for being in the sequences, it's like yeah. he's got he's playing the same energy, but for no reason. Like we don't yeah. have we don't have the motivation <laughs> yeah. behind it.
1: Yeah, he's dull, Dewey, and <laughs> you want more for him. And but he just never quite gets there. But yeah, I do enjoy the mystery. I will say that I do enjoy the mystery and and the reveal of. It having been this person that was completely unexpected Mm -hmm. and that we had kind of been introduced to an aspect of his story. But then it isn't until now where we're introduced to the to the full story. So I will say the reveal is is cool. But yeah, him him going into the water is fine. And then it just ends, and and Julie's like, "Wow, we wasted a whole year thinking we killed somebody." And then Ray's like, "Yeah." <laughs> <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> oh, and, and then, then he, he forward another yeah year. <laughs> yeah and then fast forward another and he does and then he explains like why he. Why he had gone to go see Missy, and yeah, and then we fast forward a year, we get the final little jump scare, mm-hmm. and, and which that's is one where of the, the few ones
2: is. I'm actually okay with. I, I like I'm still it. to this day, I'm okay with it.
1: I agree. I, I like this final jump scare. I actually think it's a pretty cool scene. Mm-hmm. Um, and I almost wish that it had been used in a different sequence or so. Like I would have loved to see like a long sequence of that scene. I I just think it's cool.
2: Yeah, I agree. I agree.
1: Yeah. But, um, yeah, that, and then that's, that's where the movie ends. And so Mm -hmm. for the most part, I will say this movie to me, that whole middle section, I feel like from when, from the car accident to Helen's death. So what that eggs, that, that leaves like, I don't know, like 20 extra minutes out. All of that, I, I love. I love that. I love the sequence of events. I like how these friends get pulled back together. And I even love the way that they get pulled back together and how each of them interact. It's so awkward. It's so tense. Mm -hmm. And I like that it takes time for them to start feeling comfortable with each other again. Right. The only reason that they even feel comfortable is because they kind of are, they're the only ones who can relate to this experience. They're the only ones who were involved. Yeah. And so that is one of my favorite aspects of this movie is watching them kind of be forced to form relationships again. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And so, and I love like the taunting bits of this some for some reason i always forget that barry gets like ran over (laughs) Um, but i love that i love helen getting her hair chopped up that's one of my favorite scenes
2: that is that whole sequence is really is really cool just two things about it though the first one being Homegirl got her hair done instantaneously afterwards. Mm-hmm. She fixed that up with the quickness. She was
1: the croaker queen. They probably said, yeah, you can come in my chair. Look,
2: I, just, I just know that we was on a time limit as far as the plot <laughs> said. I don't know when she fit in that haircut <laughs> That's per se. Fair. I
1: ain't never got a hair appointment that quick. <laughs> That's uh, fair.
2: But the second one, and this is just fun pettiness, but I personally have never seen someone take a shot of Diet Coke before. But the scene where (laughs) Ellen is just in her kitchen and pours a sip of Diet Coke. I don't know why that made me laugh, but it made me laugh. I thought it was funny as fuck.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: She pours a quarter of a cup of of Diet Coke. It's like, ah, I'm
3: good.
1: (laughs) It's random. It's like, did she just want the taste? Or is this supposed to be like a...
3: Product placement? uh, Product
1: (laughs) placement? Are you trying to make some kind of like... Um commentary about diet culture. I, I I don't know. I don't know what's going on, but that whole home life situation just feels very, very strange for Helen, unfortunately, because her dad like does not react to her at all coming into the house.
2: Right. Zero he comatose.
1: Is, he is like just stuck on the TV, like not even blinking. I was like, girl, you might want to shake him and make sure he breathed in, because Ooh, my man's whatever is playing is good. Mm-hmm. But yeah, there's just, there's a lot about this movie that I love. It's like what I like in a slasher. And I feel like this movie is a really palatable slasher movie. Mm-hmm. It's a really, it's it's one of those ones where it's just an easy watch. If that yeah. makes sense. It's just like, it, you just kind of <laughs> let it wash over you and it's a good one to just have on and i feel like it's a good one for non-horror fans as Mm. well because Mm -hmm. it's just i don't know i i i feel like palatable is not the right word but it's like the only way that i can think of to describe it
2: fair i i just think it's the story in itself is very engrossing especially like your first time through with it too um, mm-hmm. It's been so long since my first time watching this that I've kind of forgotten that feeling. But I'm sure that initial moment of, like, seeing the accent and then watching all of these different um, plot points play out, I think that's got to be a great experience for everyone. Mm-hmm. And although this is definitely a slasher, it leans on other things to make it great and does not fully... Just rely on its slasher aspects to keep you interested, mm-hmm. and I think that's one of the things that gives this movie its longevity. Is there's yeah. more? There's a lot more going on under the surface than just people getting slashed up by a hook. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, and I know a lot of people like. I, I think now it's much more a lot more people like it now because they've grown up with it and experienced it over time. But I know at the time it didn't do particularly well Mm -hmm. with critics and be, and obviously it was lauded as a lesser version of scream, but I feel like, I don't know. I, I, I feel like this movie holds up on its own. I think you just take it as its own thing and almost look at it as if it was a teen drama but just horrified. Yeah. I feel like this movie is exactly that and I y'all know I love that. <laughs> I love that kind of stuff. But yeah, I think that's everything that that I wanted to to cover in in the movie. Is there anything else you wanted to?
2: Mm-mm. I got all my important plot points and notes covered. I am <laughs> good to go into this rating. Um ooh what are we gonna rate this one out of, though? I don't think it could be anything with hooks. I think we already used up hooks I, for Candyman. Yeah,
1: Man. I was about to say we gotta be gotta be careful with the hooks because yeah, we've definitely did some hooky stuff for Candyman. Um, we could rate it out of Croaker Queens. Ooh. We could rate it out of uh, Crab. <laughs>
2: you know <what>? I'm a... <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm going to stop you right there. <laughs> I think go with your first instinct because it was pretty good. <laughs> uh, I don't know where we're going with that. I'm sure it would been fabulous.
1: <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> okay, we want to do it out of Croker Queens? <laughs>
2: yeah, let's go ahead and do it. Um, why don't you go okay. first? Why don't you go first this time?
1: Okay. I am going to give this movie... I'm gonna give it four point five Croker Queens out of five okay because I just love this movie. I really do i I could watch this movie anytime it's just weirdly one of those like comfort films for me I think at this point where i I just like to have it on if if mm-hmm. I if, like if I ever see this movie playing on anything, I'm turning it on no matter where it's at. It's got some sequences that I love. I think the acting for the most part in this movie is really good. Sarah Michelle Gellar. I mean, Helen Shivers is just one of my favorite characters in Mm -hmm. a horror movie. And. The story as a whole. Is a. Is a it's a captivating story. Now, whether it's executed well all the time. No, I think the ending of this in particular is not my favorite I just think that you've they set themselves up with two really great characters and so once those characters are gone from this movie I'm just not in it the way that I that I was previously so it kind of it kind of um, like, suffers from, from that fact of not having a great main character. But mm-hmm. regardless of that, as an ensemble movie, I think it's it's awesome. So, yeah, 4.5 Croker Queens out of 5.
2: All right. All right. For sure. Um, I, myself, I'm going to go ahead and give this one 4 out of 5 Croaker Queens. Um, yeah, I... I think a lot of those points, too, are are for nostalgia purposes, but it's true. Like Mm -hmm. I've seen this movie so many times, and it, too, for me, is like a bit of a comfort film at this point. Um, Even this time around, I don't know what number of watch this was for me, but it was very easy to just sit down, watch this from beginning to end, and enjoy it the same way that I've enjoyed it for all the other watches, because it just has this timelessness to it that I can't really um intellectualized for you guys. I, I wish I could put it <laughs> or phrase it better, but it's just not there. I just enjoy watching this movie. It has some of my, it has some sequences that for me um, are unforgettable. Uh, the chase scene is phenomenal to me. And a lot of the different elements just add up to a fun slasher mystery flick. And I think that this, as far as the genre goes, is a must watch. Um, even if people wanna argue that it is a lesser scream, sure, whatever, but it does its own thing and I respect it for it. And I don't know, I'm definitely gonna watch it again mm-hmm. uh, at some point in my life, I already know that. So yeah, I, I like this movie. I think it's fun. It's not perfect, but it's always gonna be in my watch list. So four out of five Croaker Queens. <laughs>
1: Okay, and then one final thing that I did remember, I think it was maybe when we were streaming at one point that we posed this question of like, what's a scene in a horror movie that just always makes you cringe or like a line in a horror movie? Or maybe I saw it on Instagram or something. I realized there's one in here that always gets to me and I don't know why, because it's not bad. I think it's the way that it's shot is just so corny that it makes mm-hmm. me cringe. But it's the scene where where Julie and Helen are walking up to Barry's house and he's like up on the balcony oh,
0: yeah.
2: in his like
1: <laughs> white, like, I don't know. Like, I don't remember if he's even wearing like a button up or what he's wearing. No, nah, he's
2: just wearing like the uh, like the white beater. Oh,
1: yeah, yeah. And he has like his sunglasses on and he's looking down at them and he's like, He's like, what the hell are you guys doing here? And she looks up at him and she's like, hey, bear. Oh, I don't know. I don't know what it is about that scene or that moment in particular. But it makes me cringe every single time that it happens. Don't know what it is.
2: It's pretty cringe. It's pretty cringe. I don't think you're wrong for that.
1: And I hate to say that because they're doing they're doing it. They're doing a good job. But (laughs) I think it was just the way that it was filmed. I was like, oh, God. (laughs) But that is it for our discussion on I know what you did last summer. We would love to hear what you homies think of this one. You can always let us know on our social media. We are homies of horror on everything. Or if you want to talk to us a little bit more in depth, you can come into the Discord. Discord is where we hang out with other homies and chit chat throughout the week. If you would like to slip into there, the link for that is in our social media bios. You can also email us. We are homies of horror at gmail.com. You can email us requests, recommendations and business inquiries. And if you are listening to this on the day that it comes out, that means that it's Monday and we are doing something very, very fun today. But uh, we are having a little Twitch party on Twitch twitch today we are celebrating (laughs) a couple of different things um some huge milestones that we've been hitting lately and we wanted to celebrate with all of the homies so if you are hanging out today and looking for something to do then please come through to our twitch and come say hello and as always we do this every single monday so if you can't come through today we would love to see you in the future the link for that is also in our social media bios and last but not least if you are so inclined we would very much appreciate it if you would leave us a rating or review you can do both on apple podcasts the more ratings and reviews we get the better recommends our show to more listeners and we just like to hear what you're thinking so if you have an apple account we would very much appreciate that or if you're listening on spotify you can always rate us just go to our page hit the stars under our name and it will leave a rating for you but that is it for us today homies we hope that you enjoyed the episode and We will always know what we did last summer.
2: (laughs) Catch you next time, homies.
1: Bye.